I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Brian Dilks and I'm joined by the Mate Vidra to my Troy Deeney. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, the uh, first part of our league table predictions went down like a fart in a lift, didn't it? <laughs> just about, just about. It's always going to be the case when you predict teams to struggle this season. Those fans are always mm. going to be, uh, well... We're not going to struggle. And then they fail to list any reasons why to to, to justify their point. It's a common cause of, uh, or a common case of, uh, I don't know, not not lunacy, because that's not very fair, but uh, denial. Denial. It's just complete denial of the situation your club is in. And it's, yeah, they don't like it. Yeah, I suppose if we're predicting one of your clubs to be one of the eight worst clubs in the division this season then I suppose we should expect some sort of blowback on that shouldn't we um it just never seems to get any easier does it (laughs) (laughs) easier I think well a new one is obviously it's no spoiler because the episode's gone out but Norwich we predicted Norwich to finish 19th we're being accused of being Ipswich fans despite vocally or me anyway being a season ticket holder of Derby County. No affiliation with Ipswich whatsoever, apart from liking their manager, Kieran McKenna. And, and they're going upwards. And it's not like you don't mention how you're a Derby fan in pretty much every episode. I, I've noted this. I, I probably mentioned it like three times per episode. I, I do apologise. But if you're not getting the gist of it now, then you never will. I'm definitely not an Ipswich fan. And certainly, I mean, I'm barely a Derby fan at the minute. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything against Norwich as a city? Uh, no, it's really flat, isn't it? I like no, hills. Not. No, it's not. it not. That's that's a massive um, misinterpretation. Norfolk is flat. Mm. Norwich is hilly. Well, that that misleading that misleading aspect of it is perhaps something that is sitting sitting on my mind, and and I developed a bias, an unconscious bias against Norwich because it's not as flat as the rest of its county. There you go. That explains go. it, ladies and gentlemen. That's the source of the bias. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier, the place where we are biased against places which are not as hilly as we thought they were or are too hilly. I don't know. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This is part two of us revealing how we think the championship season is going to pan out. In this episode, we're revealing our table from 16th to 9th. Part one came out on Sunday in that we went through our bottom eight. Part three is on Thursday where we'll reveal the top eight. As always, we make this the same way we always do. Justin makes a league table. I make a league table. We merge them together into one. So far, Justin and I have been in agreement with most of the picks, but the mid-table section. Some teams, had, we had to make compromises over, didn't we, Justin? And mm-hmm. that's not the case with this first team. We both agreed on them. Justin, who have we got in 16th? We've got Bristol City. Now, you have to recognise the work that Nigel Pearson has put in with the club over the last two years because it has been a gradual process. It, well, it has been gradual progress, I should say. It has been slow. It's been like pulling teeth at times. But it's been progress. That being said, he hasn't guided the team into mid-table in his two full seasons in charge yet. Despite having, in my opinion, a decent enough squad to at least make a go of it. Now, this is just finishing mid-table. It's not finishing in top half. So that goes to show that there have been some problems or issues with with consistency with Nigel Pearson's sides. Um. And again, when you compare it to teams with different budgets or smaller budgets than them, likes of Swansea, Coventry, Preston, who have consistently finished mid-table or above, there's argument to suggest that Pearson maybe could have got a little bit more out of the team. But it has been a process 
for, 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 for Bristol City with Nigel Pearson in charge. But a lot of my reservations lie with, with Nigel Pearson and his ability to guide the team further up the table. I like him as a guy. I've said in the past that he's a brilliant ambassador for the football club. But it's just whether or not his, his ability to, 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 to push a side up the table is weaning a, a little bit. The squad is great. The the signings of Ross McCorey, Jason Knight, Rob Dickey, Hayden Roberts, they're all brilliant signings. Still maybe something missing in the final third. Um, and I think that team is capable enough to, to finish mid-table or above at the very least. I even consider them putting them as my dark horse, but my reservations just lie too too much with Nigel Pearson and like I've said, he's, he's just not sure, just not convinced by him in, in, in taking this team up a level. Yeah, I completely agree, Justin. I think Bristol City squad is actually looking really solid after some good business this summer. The back three with Rob Atkinson, Cal Naismith and new signing Rob Dickey is great. All good at progressing the ball forwards. Loads of options at wing-back. George Tanner and Cameron Pring both impressed there last season, but they've also strengthened with the signings of Hayden Roberts on a free and Ross McCrory for £2 million from Aberdeen, who Nigel Pearson has said will be competing for both those uh, for those spots. In midfield, you've got new signing Jason Knight, who joins for just under £2 million, and I think that's a really good move. The other options aren't great. Andy King and Matty James aren't getting any younger, and we assume Alex Scott will leave before the transfer window closes. And then in attack, the highlight for me is Tommy Conway up front, who I think could have a brilliant season, definitely want to watch, and maybe could be a dark horse for top goal scorer. Uh, Naki mm. Wells has had a mixed time at Bristol City, but should be good for at least 10 goals a season. Andy Vyman, Harry Cornick, both good, hard-working players. And Sam Bell is another youngster who I can see having an exciting season on the left-hand side. So overall, it's a really solid squad who I think would be challenging for the top six if it wasn't for the manager. I just can't shake the feeling Nigel Pearson is holding them back. He's done a good job in steadying the ship, bringing down the wage bill and getting them going in the right direction again. I just think they could do a lot better with a more progressive manager. Worth saying as well, what is it? Around five million they've spent this summer. I think they'll put them in one of the big, biggest spenders in the championship. Of course, look at Leicester, who have spent a hell of a lot more than them. But still, they must be in the top quarter or at least top half of championship clubs in terms of spending this summer. So if they're only just going to get mid-table again, then that's somewhat of an underachievement, isn't it? I just have this sneaky feeling as well, he might leave this summer Pearson uh, this season he's out of contract next summer anyway is Pearson and I'd be amazed if they stuck with him past that point I've got to say yeah it's it's such an intriguing one because I know we have criticized Pearson but I do also think he has earned the opportunity to take this side on I know we spoke about we made a laugh uh, a joke about me mentioning Derby but it does remind me of the Nigel Clough years at, at, at Derby where he built the team up from, with a really low budget, brought youngsters through and then was sacked in September and then Steve McLaren came in and just took the team to another level. It reminds me a little bit of that scenario. Um, and I know, I know there are other clubs who have had similar things. You look at, I mean, you look at Mike, Michael Carrick coming in for Middlesbrough last season and, and Rob Edwards with Luton. Rob Edwards had a slightly different philosophy to Nathan Jones, similarities but slightly different philosophy and took the team to another level. So if you do bring in a new manager midway through the season, I think it can well, it has that potential to have that sort of impact where it takes Bristol City from a, a mid-table struggler, lower mid-table struggler to a, to a playoff contender. But as I mentioned, I do think Nigel Pearson has earned the chance to, to take this team on because he's put a lot of hard work in. It's just whether or not he can eradicate that inconsistency that has plagued the team under his tenure and under Lee Johnson and essentially get rid of it make them a consistent side I just don't know I don't think we've seen enough over the last two years to really make that verdict on on, on Pearson I think that Clough at Derby analogy is a really really good comparison actually Justin because Nigel Clough and Nigel Pearson were both brought in to steady the ship at the club which was after years of some reckless spending beforehand and then they did that got them progressing in the right direction again but then someone came in and really took the ball by the horns. And I think Bristol City, if they did get rid of Pearson this summer, get someone in who's a bit more exciting, then they could definitely do that and have a similar season to what 
we were just discussing them. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm, I can't see anything exciting happening at Bristol City while Nigel Pearson's there. In 15th place, we have West Brom. It's been a quiet summer for West Brom up until last week. They were the only club in the championship not to sign anyone. Business has started to get moving, but I'm not too sure why it's taken so long. And the thing is, West Brom could do with signings as well, because the squad's looking a bit underwhelming. Loads of big names here. Many of these guys have been and done it before, but they all seem to fall into the same category of used to be good, but haven't had a good couple of years. I mean, that attack has a lot of talent in it, but no one scored more than seven goals last season. Jed Wallace has been an excellent player of the years, but even he had a rather disappointing season last season. Jeremy Sarmiento is an interesting signing on loan from Brighton. So we'll see what he's about. The midfield's talented as well. John Swift got 15 goal contributions last season, but even then, I wouldn't say he had an amazing campaign. The defence has been left weaker after the departure of Captain Daro Shea to Burnley, who was their best player for me last season. So there's there's definitely work to do on that squad. Carlos Corbrand's a great manager, but he's ultimately in charge of a club which is going backwards because of how terribly it's been run under Guachan Laya for many years. Hopefully things change with a takeover, which has reportedly been in the works, but... Even if that happens, it may come too late for West Brom to pull up any trees this season. Feels like it needs a refresh. And until then, I struggle to get excited about West Brom. The squad has a lot of players at the wrong end of their careers and probably on big contracts as well, which is going to seriously impact what they do. Quite a lot of hangover from previous Premier League regimes, which is which is to be expected. But that lack of turnover, that lack of refreshing, as you, you pointed out then... Um, I think is, is, is going to catch up with them. They've had two seasons now where they've flirted with the playoffs, but never never looked like getting into them because of inconsistency and, 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 and drop-offs. And I, I think that's going to really plague them throughout this season as well. The interesting thing with this prediction is this would be West Brom's lowest finish since the year 2000 if, if, they, if they were to finish 15th, which is quite a staggering statistic. So West Brom fans really haven't had, other than the Premier League, haven't really had... To, to, to put up with mediocrity for a long, long time. I know Premier League years have have um, have had elements of that. But this 15th place, as I say, would be their lowest finish since, since the year 2000. So it, it goes to show how not stale the the, the, the club is is growing, but just how, how much of a, a refresh it does it does need. It needs new ownership. It, it needs not a virtually new playing squad, but it needs young blood adding into it and while this new ownership is in place they can't they can't do that so Carlos Corbran is essentially working with two arms strapped behind his back he's got some quality but I just don't think there's enough players in their peak years to to really kick on kick on this uh, this season I think 15th might be a bit harsh I mean I put them 15th anyway in my list so I, I'm not massively convinced that they can they can um, they can push for the playoffs they have got some good players but They've got injury, a bit of poor injury records like Daryl DK, for example. Um, defensively, uh, Townsend, Peters, Bartley, Kelly, all over 30. Kipre's the youngest and he did well on loan at Cardiff, but can he be a part of a team that pushes onto the top six? I don't know. Just a lot of doubts there for, for West Brom. And unfortunately, as I say, time's catching up with him, I think. I don't know why you thought 15th was harsh for West Brom, Justin. I just think there's a lot yeah, of other teams who are much more exciting. I tell you why I think it's harsh. It's that record of them finishing it being their lowest finish since the year 2000 that they've been a team that have been in and around the playoffs for so long when it when in the championship or first division that putting them into this mediocrity you know phase that they're, they're probably going to go through it just doesn't, it doesn't quite sit right it's not quite a natural thing to, to 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 mention but going through all of that as we were saying um it's yeah it's it's it's, it's catching up with them in 14th place we have Stoke City. Now, Justin, you made a last-minute change with Stoke in your league mm. table. You had them quite low down, but then moved them up again because of the recent transfer business, which you've been very impressed by. I have been very impressed with it. Um, I, I think Wesley's an interesting signing. I don't think he's going to be a prolific goal scorer by any means, but I think he's going to be a nice folly for someone like Tyrese Campbell. 
Ryan Meyer, I think, is is a similar hardworking player. His goal record is is pretty good in in Hungary and Cyprus. It's just whether or not he can make that transition into into the championship. Mark Travers, I think, is a brilliant signing when Bournemouth were in the championship. Um, when he was number one for for them, he was the uh, it was with. Uh, Huddersfield wasn't it so he was the second keeper second best keeper in the league I think uh, when we were picking our teams of the season for example so it goes to show how much quality he has um, kept a lot of clean sheets and made some key saves as well Josh Tyman, and um, Hoiver at wing back there's just a lot there that I'm really excited by you've got Andre Vidigal as well who's a who's a, an unknown quantity um, but there's also that, that aspect of him being able to just pick up the ball and dribble at, um, at opposition, which I don't think Stoke have had a player like that for, for a long, long time. Emin Bayram as well is, is an interesting interesting signing. So there's a lot of signings there that I think I'm excited by because they're going to get the best out of others. The, the likes of Wesley and, and my, for example, going to be nice nice partners for Tyrese Campbell. Um I just think there's, I think I think putting them in this position 14th is probably a safer bet because I've been stung in the past. Every other content creator has been stung in the past. Um, so I think 14th as a bit of a transition year is probably a safer bet. But I wouldn't be surprised if they were to to kick on and really make a push for the top six either. Um, first of all, how are we settling on the pronunciation of Ryan Maye? Maya? My My What was that song that came out in the mid-2000s? The... Um... Uh, my he, my yeah. ha, that one. Okay. Yeah. Should we just settle with that? Or is that too? Say, my he, every yeah. um, every time he scores a goal or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> we got to, haven't we? We have. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I, I was listening to some YouTube compilations, and I think the commentators were calling him Mai. Um, so my. that might be the correct my way. But okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, what we're talking about, Stoke. Yeah, I um, saw you texted me about this and uh, how excited you were getting about Stoke's recruitment. And I think you've got a bit carried away with the transfer doing business. It again. Yeah, it seems like plenty of Stoke fans have got a bit carried away with it as well. Ten players have come in. Very busy summer. The only ones there who you can say for sure, though, are good signings are Ben Pearson, Mark Travers and Kiana Hoiver. Those I rate. The likes of Daniel Johnson, Ender Stevens, Michael Rose would barely register for me if they signed for any other championship side. Wesley from Villa is a very eye-catching signing. Of course, once cost £22 million, but... He scored three goals in three seasons and was playing 37 games in the Spanish second tier last season. So I'm not as excited about that move as I imagine quite a few people are. Ryan Maye joins for £3 million, a striker from Ferenc Varos in Hungary. He got 12 last season in 24 games, which is a good record, but it is the Hungarian league. So who knows how good he is? I won't pretend to know much about Chiquinho or Andre Vigadal either. One's from Wolves, the other one's come from Maritimo in Portugal. Looking at the squad, it's very patchy at the back. Ben Walmart is one of the most underrated players in the division. A marvellous defender for me. Hoiver and Josh Tymon at fullback looks very good. Midfield, Pearson, Josh Laurent, Jordan Thomas, uh, Thompson, sorry, Daniel Johnson. Steady, but unremarkable. And then in attack, you've got plenty of players who I'd definitely put in the category of unknowns. Tyrese Campbell is can be one of the best forwards in the division on his day, but it's been a while since we've seen it regularly. And then the new signings, pff, who honestly can tell how well these players are going to do. The thing is, Stoke have done this many times before. They've signed well and then just been the same old Stoke who underwhelm. And I just think it'll be the same as well. Alex Neal is a manager who starts the season under pressure after a disappointing year. I like him but I'm doubtful about whether he can turn the tide at Stoke. The current is very strong when it comes to trying to turn the tide there. So ultimately, they're a club which has been directionless for years and I can just see it being another year where they're going around in circles. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I think it's that aspect of the club have been swimming against the tide for so long and it's it's pulled them out to pulled them away from shore uh, as it has it's like it's going to take a lot of effort to, to get back to it um it's going to take a lot a lot of effort to to convince the outsiders um you know non-stoke fans I should say to 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 really get behind stoke but the transfer business that they've done so far I think is a really good step in doing so 
but there are the obvious caveats of needing to to blend it all together for Alex Neil. And obviously, as you say, with this increased spending in money, the the poor the poor end to last season or just a poor season overall with Alex Neil in charge. I, I understand where you're coming from in, in, in suggesting that he's going to be under pressure as well. So there's going to be that aspect. But the club, uh, if, you know, it feels like the, the reset has, has started. There's, the deadwood has largely, largely been shifted. There's a new backroom team, new head of recruitment, new operational appointment, uh, appointments upstairs as well. It feels like a new stoke. So I'm hoping that all of that um, underachieving that they've done in, in, in the past is now behind them and they can kick on. But with that in mind, 14th is probably a safe bet for the neutrals to to, to to suggest for Stoke. Yeah, they've finished around that region now for the past five seasons, haven't they? And I don't think it would be any surprise at all to see it happen again. The only thing I would add on Stoke is we've seen it in the before, we've seen it in the past where the squad has been great, the manager's been great, and it still just doesn't work for whatever reason. Maybe the changes behind the scenes will actually get some progression going with the club, but our I'll have to see it to believe it, I think. 13th place is Watford. Now, Watford were the team we had the joint biggest disparity over, Justin. I had them 17th. You had them 10th. Mm -hmm. Not a big thing, both mid-table, I suppose. But I'm interested as to why you had them quite a bit higher than me. First of all, here's my perspective. The manager. I'm not a big fan of the Valerinish Mel appointment. Did an unbelievable job at Barnsley a few years ago, but West Brom was poor, as was his spell at Besiktas. I don't think he's a bad manager. I just don't think he matches Watford or what I suspect the expectations of the Potsos are. However, it may be completely pointless even talking about Ishmael because there's a good chance he'll be gone by Christmas. It's Watford. Um, that leads me nicely onto the owners whose hiring and firing tactics are no longer proving to be as successful as they once were. The last several managers have had very different styles and Valerie and Ishmael is no different. That's why Watford flailed last season. Supporters are no longer as supportive of the owners as they once were and it's getting to the stage where it's perhaps time for a change. And then there's the squad. Wow. Can the last person out at Vicarage Road remember to turn the lights off? I just assumed there was no one left after the exodus that's happened there. 18 players from their squad last season are no longer at the club for varying different reasons. 18 players, Justin. That's remarkable. That includes, of course, the two most talented players in Jean Pedro and Ishmael Assar. I think it was time for Saar to go. He wasn't as influential last season. Pedro also had to go because he's simply too good, but it leaves Watford very depleted in terms of creativity. Is Tom Ince a suitable replacement? No, he's simply not. That attack is looking far from convincing. I imagine people will come in, but they're going to be a significant downgrade on what they had previously. In midfield, Imran Lauser's a quality player. I'm interested to see more from Ishmael Kone. Very thin on numbers, though, in the middle of the park. They're looking good at centre-back, to be fair. Wesley Hoyt and uh, Ryan Porteous both look very uh, both look like very solid centre-halves. But overall, it's a squad low on quality, not suiting of the manager who plays in a very specific way. They may bring in more players before the window closes, but the new technical director, Ben Manga, I don't think he'll be getting rave reviews for the players he's brought in so far. So unfortunately, I can see this being another messy season for Watford. It's good that they've significantly trimmed down the wage bill because they could be stuck in the championship for a while. Yeah, I disagree with a lot of that. <laughs> Go on, you, 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 you tell me what you disagreed with. Uh, so I, I actually think the squad turnover is a good thing. I really do. I think no, 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 that... I was just saying that as well, Justin. It, it, it's alarming how many players have gone out the door, yeah, but they yeah. needed to trim down the wage bill ultimately. Yeah, they, they absolutely did. But I, I think that, well, probably to angle it to more, more to my point, is that the turnover needed to happen. They needed to shift a lot of the highly paid players who were on the fringes, who were quite clearly underperforming. Chris Wilder pointed that out last season. They needed to be moved on and they needed a clearer blueprint um, going forward. And I think Ben Manga is delivering that by I think putting players in place who are ultimately going to going to fit into uh, Valerie Ishmael's style of play. I think the bones of a good squad is there as well. 
don't think Daniel Batman being made captain is the best choice or even him staying is the best choice. I think that's the only thing I'm really not convinced about. Um, but you look at the defence, as you say, Wesley Hoyt's a, a steady enough player at this level. Um, Ryan Porteous, I think, is a, is a really good player. I can develop into a really good championship defender. Francisco Sierra-Alta is still there as well. Jamal Lewis, I think, is a really smart signing because if you can recover the form that he showed to get the big money move to Newcastle or get the move to Newcastle, I think there's a very good wing back there. Ken Semmer, I really like as well. He's always been an underrated player I think at championship level I don't think even we've given him enough credit but he's always been a consistent member of this team Imran Lalzesh Malcone I think Rhys Healy is another smart signing there's a lot of a lot of positives and not only that they've recouped a fair bit of money from João Pedro and Ismail Assar leaving as well and not only that recovered a lot of money from from the wages so I think that the money that is going to be I think that can now be reinvested the money is going to be spent into into the squad because like a lot of clubs that have come down recently from the Premier League, two-year parachute payments, significant losses in COVID year, that's going to impact how you recruit. We're seeing that with Norwich and we're seeing it with West Brom as well. So I think that's had a massive impact. And I think those sales are going to alleviate that massively to, to reinvigorate the squad. I don't think, that, I'm not convinced that there's enough there for a top six push, but I'm convinced that there's enough there to at least flirt with the top six and hopefully get to January and add more quality to the squad. I like Ben Manga as a, a, a as a head of recruitment, a football guy behind the scenes because I think he's taken, I think he's taken the I don't know what the horse term is, the, the reins. That's it. That's an easy one. He's taken the reins away from the potsos and he's not taking control of the club, but he's guiding the club into into a direction it needs to go in. It needs to become more sustainable because they've been making horrendous mistakes for several years this is the big reset i think a mid-table finish amidst that reset is a is a is a good finish um and i'm, I'm well behind it i i really am I'm, I'm buying into watford i'm buying into ishmael as well i've already made the the comment that i think it'll last a season that might bite me on the arse by the end of september though by the end of september <laughs> <laughs> setting out the stall already um yeah I, i'm i don't share your optimism at all justin um I think this has to happen. Watford need to transition away from what they have been in the past. But I still think they're going to be hiring and firing. I think the turnover is going to take some time for it all to gel. And I think if anything, if last season is anything to go by, then if they are going to continue doing the hiring and firing method, then it's going to do them no good continuously getting in managers who have completely different styles of play, which is what we saw last season. And I think that'll just happen again. And there won't be any progression at Watford, which is what I'm fearful of. Just then let's take a quick break. After that, we'll go through the teams we have finishing between 12th and 9th. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. This is part two of our league table predictions where we're revealing the teams we have finishing very mid-table next season. So we've just done the teams we have finishing between 16th and 13th. Now it's time for 12th to 9th. And in 12th, we have Plymouth Argyle in a very lofty position. Plymouth were the other team we had the joint biggest disparity over, Justin. You had them 17th. I had them 10th. We won't worry too much about the disparity, Justin. If they finish 17th, it's a great season. If they finish 10th, it's an amazing season, isn't it? So either way, I think we're both giving Plymouth a big thumbs up, aren't we? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm well behind Plymouth, and I think that's down to them just being in a in a better position upstairs than than a lot of the teams that are probably going to be battling relegation this season. I'm I'm very excited by them. They're on an upward trajectory. I think they're one of the likes of Brentford and Luton, where they they recruit smartly, they invest in a young manager, and they don't spend beyond their means. They're a very switched on club, and you're going to get a lot of that from me this season, where I'm going to talk about their ownership a hell of a lot because it, they are a really shrewdly run football club. I was originally concerned with the amount of business that needed doing. I think, well, well we're going back quite a few weeks now, uh, mainly because the loan players that need replacing. And my God, sort, sorting out two of those standout performers who were loans from last season, getting them permanently, I think, again, is, is massive credit. But um, Mumba, uh, Morgan Whittaker, Valley Mumba, uh, Morgan Whittaker, really, really shrewd signings. And they're going to increase in value as, as time goes on because they're two players who, who suit Plymouth perfectly. Uh, the style of play as well suit it perfectly. The winning mentality that developed last year helps and I've seen quite a few people suggest that the distance that clubs are going to need to travel to, to get to Plymouth is going to mean their home record is going to continue. I think it's an interesting one, although I think there are a fair few clubs in the Championship with deeper pockets that are very happy to destroy the ozone layer and get flights down to to Devon. Um, so couple that with with some real quality in their squad. Um, I'm not suggesting that. I'm not accusing clubs of consciously wanting to destroy the ozone layer. By the Sounds way, Sounds like you are. <laughs> I do have an electric car, so maybe I do sit on that side of the fence. <laughs> um, and they've got some quality in the squad as well. Back to it. Callum Wright is a is a very technical midfielder, and I'm surprised Blackpool allowed him to leave last season because I think he's going to thrive again this year. Adam Randall covers all aspects of a midfield role. Ryan Hardy, I think, is a player who's going to be stepping up to the Championship this season, whether he was with Plymouth or not. And the style of play, I've said it a lot. Really like it. Leaves them open at times, but they're gonna they're gonna catch a lot of teams off guard next season with how how brave they are in possession. Um, and as you pointed out, I think even just finishing 21st or above, I think would be a good season because there can be a team like Coventry who can who can really solidify their place in the championship and kick on. You've been very praising of Plymouth, Justin, but I don't think you've been praising enough. For me, Plymouth have had arguably the best transfer window of the summer. It's a close one between them and Birmingham. Both have had incredible summers and I'm very excited about Plymouth. I think everyone is underestimating them. They're one of the fa- they're one of the bookies favourites to go down. I've seen loads of fellow championship pundits either have them to go down or just stay up. I don't think that'll be the case at all. The recruitment has been extremely clever. They're one of those clubs who base it on data and it's why they're now a championship side and the future is looking bright in that regard. The defence is very strong. Macaulay Gillespie and Dan Scar both coming off the back of great seasons, but they've also brought in Lewis Gibson, who was incredible at Bristol Rovers, while I think Julio Pleguazuelo from FC Twente could be a remarkable signing. I'm surprised Plymouth have got him, if I'm being perfectly honest, based on what I've read about him. At wing-back, they've somehow got Barley Mumba on a permanent deal from Norwich for just a million pounds. An incredibly exciting player who I can't believe Norwich have sold. Joe Edwards, on the other side, is a solid wing-back. The midfield is... Also solid with loads of options, including new signing Lewis Warrington on loan from Everton, who had a great season at Fleetwood. Up front could be better, but the headline here is Morgan Whitaker, who's a young forward who averaged a goal or an assist every 108 minutes with Plymouth before he got recalled by Swansea. For some reason, Swansea have sold him for a bargain million pounds, which is just simply crazy to me. And then Ryan Hardy, as you say, is a good goal scorer. He's a good, um, solid goal scorer who you can guarantee will get you a decent tally of goals for a season. So the recruitment's been excellent. And don't be surprised to see Plymouth make even more top quality signings over the season with the remainder of the transfer window or indeed in January as well. And then topping it off, you've got Stephen Schumacher in the dugout. He's one of the best young managers in the country. Got Plymouth promoted on a budget despite plenty of teams around him or below them rather, um, spending a lot more than they did. I'm certain his stock will continue to rise over the next year. To underline it all, underestimate Plymouth Argyle at your peril. Well, this is spot on. That's a lot of praise for Plymouth. Um, I think a couple of things that we need to point out here is I think the reason, one of the reasons why Ryan Lowe has struggled to deploy his attacking style of play in its full 
is because of the absence of Stephen Schumacher. We've seen we've seen it with Plymouth how good he's been in terms of just how comfortable with the ball they are, how brave they are with the ball they are. Um, and he's a really clever manager who I think is he's got some big things ahead of him. But this is a this is a real test for him and Plymouth. Obviously, if they if they struggle and ultimately go down, I don't think it's the end of the world. But they won't go down. I think. Okay, okay, I'm just, just finish my point. I'll pr- I promise you right now, Plymouth will not go down. Okay, I can I guarantee it right them. now. But I'd like to eradicate my debt on previous bets that I've lost. As to if they do go down, then or you know, my debt is gone. You've got the backing of me. They won't go down. Okay. I can okay, guarantee right, it great. right now. I don't know what to say to that. I now I completely lost my train of thought, and I just want to try and prove you wrong somehow. But I can't because I don't think Plymouth will go down either. But what I'm trying to say is, or what I've been trying to say is, it's not the end of the world. But it's a, it's a massive test for Plymouth and the, and the squad of players. It's a youngish, youngish squad of players as well. So, yes, it's some, some big things are expected. But yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to do. Is what I'm trying to get at. And going back to your earlier points, clubs will have to decide whether they want to destroy the ozone layer or get three points away at Plymouth. You know, it's it's something that clubs will have to consider and yeah. it may just become too much for them. That's a, that's an interesting segment to like sort of dive all, like divert into because like, if you've got a, if you if you're going for playoffs or promotion, is a long term sacrifice of the earth worth three points away at Plymouth? Mm. It's it's literally You've got to decide whether you want to fucking die for three points, or yeah, it's literally <laughs> or save the planet. <laughs> Neil Warnock is God; he knows what he knows what he's on about. <laughs> it was the prophecy. <laughs> um, but seriously, it's going to be swan out of a trip into it for Sunderland and Middlesbrough fans next season. Jesus, uh, let's go to eleventh, where we have Swansea City. Now it's been a fairly chaotic summer. For Swansea and I was a bit worried at one point it looked as if all the ingredients were there for this to be an absolutely disastrous season but it seems as if they've got all their ducks in a row obviously Russell Martin's gone Michael Duff's a really good replacement sorry I've got to say this it seems as if they've got all their swans in a row <laughs> yeah <laughs> I saw the smug look on your face I was looking up what <laughs> I could see the cogs turning in your head and I'm like, I've missed a pun there. Um, They've got all their swans in a row. Russell Martin's gone. Michael Duff, really good replacement. Plays differently to Martin. So it could take time to get going, but he should prove a clever appointment in the long term. The squad has seen a bit of upheaval, which is a bit of a concern. In defence, they've lost Ryan Manning and Joel Atabodier. Young right-back Josh Key has come in from Everton, uh, Everton Exeter. He was quite highly sought after. Got some good young defenders in Nathan Wood, Ben Cabango, Harry Darling. Uh, Midfield's good. Matt Grimes is one of the best at what he does. And then you have the likes of Jay Fulton, Joe Allen, who are both solid operators. A bit further forward, you've got loads of options. New signing, Josh Ginnelly had a very productive season at Hearts last season. Uh, Jerry Yates has come in from Blackpool. Not too fussed about that one, but, you know. Um, and then you've got the likes of Olivier and Cham, who's capable of moments of genius. And then a couple of homegrown lads like Liam Cullen and Ollie Cooper both had decent first four seasons at Swansea. And of course, there's Joel Pirro, who's one of the best goal scorers in the division. The problem is, will he stay? The answer is right now, probably not. So that's a concern. Overall, I had Swansea mid-table because I'm not too excited about them. I'm not too worried about them either. Yeah, they they are an intriguing one, Swansea. But I think the reason why I'm more convinced by them is is because of Michael Duff. I really do rate Michael Duff as a manager, and I think he's got a blank canvas at Swansea, but mainly because of how thin the squad was under Russell Martin. Um, he's essentially got a, a blank canvas this season. Uh, and I will point out as well, you missed another pun because the one I was thinking of was they're getting their duffs in a row. So. Not as there's, good. There's, no, yeah, not as good, but it was there. I, I, I think um, the exciting thing about uh, Michael Duff is how adaptable he is as a coach and how adaptable the Swansea team has shown that they can be because they've gone from a Graham Potter system to a Steve Cooper system back to a Russell Martin system. Yes, there have been some, um, some different players in those systems, but ultimately um, the likes of... Matt Grimes, uh, Jay Fulton, they've been a part of those different teams, which I think is going to be a huge, huge help. 
uh, Michael Duff uh, as a coach as well has shown that he can play to a team's strengths. You've got Cheltenham there who had a long throw specialist in Bentoza and he caused chaos and havoc every time the ball's in wide areas. Probably not spoken much uh, as much as it should have been because as I say, you've got a manager who identifies strengths in the team and immediately plays him. And I think he's going to do the same thing with Swansea. Joel Pirro hasn't left yet. I, I do expect him to leave. I'd expect him to leave, leave at least for around 12 to £13 million. Pounds. And I think that's going to be a good enough fee for, for Duff to go out and, and, and get plays in, essentially. Um, because I think Jerry Yates, while you're not overawed with him, I think from a pressing perspective, he's going to be really important. And he has shown that he can score goals. So there's, there's key strengths in that team there. The squad is massively short on depth and quality. But as I pointed out, I do think Michael Duff has got the ability to go out identify those weaknesses in his team and ask for players to come in um, ask the ball for money to, to go out and essentially bring players into those and fill those positions so yeah I'm, I'm big on Michael Duff and that's the reason why I got them sort of in around mid-table I think I got them down in 11th as well so yeah big big fan of Michael Duff and his system and his ability to uh, adapt to the teams he manages yeah you had them a bit higher than me um, I do rate Michael Duff it's just the squad I'm, I'm looking at it's bit wary about how thin it is but there's still plenty of time in the transfer window to go isn't there who have we got 10th Justin we've got Millwall Gary Rowett will deliver a top 10 finish you can guarantee that will it be a playoff push there are some reservations but Millwall finishing the top 10 I think is a is a it's pretty much a guarantee now every year which is a pretty good compliment but there'll be a lot of Millwall supporters, including me, probably every Millwall supporter and including me, that I want to see this team kick on. But I think at the moment, I'm just not entirely convinced the collapse in the latter or well, second half of the season towards the end of the uh, last season was a was a real eye-opener because you just don't expect Millwall to, to give away some of the goals they were and to struggle doing the things that they're very good at, which is taking chances. Um, and they've shown they've shown that in the past that they can uh, they can take, take a 1-0 lead and, and defend it with their lives. Didn't do that enough in the second half of last season. I think they have had quite a productive summer so far. I think Joe Bryan would give Gary Rowett more balance down the left flank, considering Scott Malone's defensive lapses and Murray Wallace is probably more comfortable being as a centre-half now. Casper Denor is, is an intriguing signing. Don't know a lot about him, but I've read that he's a, he's a ball-carrying central midfielder. I think that's going to give Millwall a lot of variation in central midfield. They're not just going to be a, a percentages team. They might be able to play through the thirds a little bit more, which essentially unlock teams much much more efficiently I think Kevin Nisbet is a an intriguing signing but when you've got Tom Bradshaw is it necessary to have him could they have invested that money in somebody else maybe but I, I do expect him to score goals at the very least got reservations on George Long which is which is very obvious I know they missed out on Mark Travers I know they've been linked with Matthias Sarkic as well but there is there's, 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 there's maybe some some reservations there given his lack of experience at championship level and alone spent at Birmingham but is it enough so I think Mill are probably in a bit of an in-between stage transitional stage um, I do expect him to to be looking at the playoffs but just can't see them pushing on as, as much as they have done in the last two years yeah that's the big question isn't it will Millwall ever reach the playoffs five top half finishes in the last six seasons but no playoff campaign is quite remarkable and I just think it's going to be the same again the recruitment this summer has been good. They need a bit more than that, though, if they're actually going to break into the top six. The defence is looking really good. There's no Charlie Cresswell anymore, but they've still got good options with Jake Cooper, Sean Hutchinson, Murray Wallace. Fullback looking really good with new signings, Joe Bryan, Wes Harding. Midfield is OK. Yeah. You've got Casper de Noor, who's a new addition from Belgium, as well as... George Savile and Billy Mitchell, players who I would put in the category of steady but unremarkable. Zian Fleming is the one that makes things happen. 15 goals last season, but he has been linked with a move away. Then in attack, you've got a lot of players who are also steady but unremarkable. Tom Bradshaw got 17 goals last season, but I'd be amazed if he comes close to that tally again. Kevin Nisbitz, a new signing from Hibs, seems like a very similar striker to Bradshaw. Duncan Watmore, Andreas Vogelshammer serviceable it feels like something's lacking here though in Gary Rowett you have a manager who does a good job but that's it just good he's had nearly 10 years in the championship now but there isn't an individual season which you can mark down as a very good season it's just constantly good he just does a good job wherever he goes so 
Millwall should be looking to get a top six place, but I'd be stunned if it happens this season, even more so if Zian Fleming leaves. That will be a, such a huge blow because you'll mm. be losing someone who makes things happen and scores some really important goals. I think when you look at uh, Gary Rowett's last playoff finish, obviously got into the top six with, with Derby in 2017-18. Uh, he had Matai Vidra as his goal scorer who won the Golden Boot that year. Millwall haven't had that player yet. Can Zian Fleming be that be that man as well as other players chipping in with goals potentially? But I think that's the the the, the ingredient that's been missing is a player to to not necessarily hit twenty goals, but hit hit comfortable double figures and other players contributing as well. And I don't think Grout's been able to find that consistent blend yet with Millwall, which is probably why it feels like something's missing. Maybe with 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 Nisbet and, and Zian Fleming, he might rely heavily on that four two three one. Um, that he played in, in in periods last season, and that might that might be the catalyst. But like you, just feel like something's missing. Hard to put a finger on it, but it might be that element of a twenty goal twenty goal man, or at least a 15, 20 goal man. I think they're missing a couple of things, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you; it is quite difficult to nail down fully what that is. And then the final team in this part of our league table predictions is ninth placed Birmingham City. Now, Birmingham has certainly caught the eye with their incredible recruitment over the summer, so much so that it led to Justin Peach saying they could be a dark horse this season. So I was a bit confused when you put them 12th in your table just now. I was expecting them to be quite a bit higher than that. So what gives? Didn't want to get too carried away, I think. There's still a lot that needs to be done. I'm still not sure how much money they've got left to spend, really, because I have been surprised at how much money they put out on fees. They obviously signed Lee Buchanan and Dion Sanderson for... Over a million pounds. Suriki Dembele, I think is a really good addition. Uh, Ty, Ty Roberts as well. I think I know a lot of QPR fans will say shit, but actually I think there's a, a lot more to him than than that. And I don't think there are many players at QPR last season who weren't shit to be really um, to be really blunt about it. So I think there's 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 certainly a lot of quality there, but I still think there's there's a fair bit more that he's adding. So I just wanted to be a little bit more reserved. In 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 my approach, uh, I think a lot of my investment is is behind John Eustace. But you've got to got to put him in a scenario where he's now got a squad that he's got a lot more a lot more expectation with the money that's being spent. There's a new ownership. There's a, a new group of players that he needs to blend in. So I think there's going to be some teething issues, which is why I ultimately think a mid-table finish would be would be a decent uh, a decent finish uh, in the championship this season. They need to replace Teeth Chung as well. Don't have a player like him at the moment. I think Bakuna creatively was their most creative player last season, created the most chances. Tichong, very good ball carrier, incredible set pieces, which is a which is a big help. Um, but those sorts of players are, are quite difficult to replace. So it might be a loan signing towards the end of the window, or they might have identified someone and not had a bit accepted yet. So yeah, for me, I just wanted to be a little bit more reserved, not get too carried away. I am excited by them, and I think if they do get the right um, the right players in, they, they could potentially look towards the top six at some point in the season. But for me, I just wanted to to rein it in a little bit, not 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 to not get too too uh, too drawn on it. Yeah, say so you don't want to get excited and. You say they're a dark horse, you big it all up and then you don't, you know, prove it when it comes to something like this. It's just so typical Justin Peach. <laughs> I am excited. I had Birmingham just outside the top six, I think, in my league table. I can't remember exactly where. It's an exciting new era at Birmingham with the new ownership and they've come in with a bang. And that's because Birmingham have arguably done the best recruitment in the championship this summer. Christian Bielik, Siriki Dembele, Ethan Laird, Lee Buchanan, Dion Sanderson, Tyler Roberts. Players all 26 or younger signed for a reported total of less than £10 million. If they pay double that, I would still think that's fairly good business. They've done recruitment the way I think it should be done. Sign young and relatively cheap. Then you either have a player who's at the club for numerous years or you sell them for five times the price in a few seasons. The business has transformed them from a side who would probably be lower mid-table into one to keep an eye on. It's been incredibly impressive. Despite that, I do think the squad is a bit weak in areas. Centre-back could be better. The department of Tariff Chong is a big blow in midfield. I also think they're missing a striker. It would be a great way to kill my enthusiasm for Birmingham if Scott Hogan was still their first-choice striker in September. I do get the sense as well that as incredibly impressive as these signings 
are it may be a long-term thing as opposed to something where we immediately see results things are still exciting though Laird and Buchanan or Emmanuel Longello very exciting wing-back pairings there in midfield Christian Bielik is the best ball winner in the division for me and I think this could be a breakout season for young George Hall as well in attack Siriki Dembele Roberts have the potential to be really exciting and then the manager John Eustace a promising young coach who had a really good first season at St Andrews and will look to lead this exciting new era so there's good vibes at Birmingham we haven't had that in an awfully long time the playoffs can't be ruled out especially if the signings continue to be at the same standard as they have been which I don't think they're done just yet that's what I will say I do think any team that finishes between sort of sixth, eleventh, and twelfth, you can't really rule out of a top six push. Um, and I, I am on board with what you're saying, and I do completely agree with you in, in saying that this is a long term thing, which is why I think it might be a little bit too soon for them to to really kick on and, and make a go of it in the top half. They've got a lot of young players as well. Ethan Laird had some inconsistencies last season at QPR. Lee Buchanan struggled at times for Derby and struggled to, to get into the first team as a regular for, for Werder Bremen last season as well. So there are players there that maybe have points to prove, especially now they've they they they've found a home, shall we say. Tyler Roberts as well falls into that category. So yeah, I think I am excited, but I think it's probably more of a contrast as to what they were like 12 months ago when everybody predicted them to go down. I think that's the, the reason why I'm probably more so excited as opposed to the, their overall business this, uh, this summer. Look at you, dampener on everything. You're such a party pooper, <laughs> Justin. Disgraceful. <laughs> uh, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been part two of our League Table predictions where we've revealed the teams we have finishing between 16th and 9th in our League Table. That means there's only one section left for us to go, ladies and gentlemen. That's the top eight, which we will be revealing on Thursday. So we look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.